Hey church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the connections and group pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus. Be challenged and encouraged by his word and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. One of the most incredible speeches of all time ever made by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I would have showed you the clip if it wouldn't have threatened the copyright for online pulling it down. It's just, you can't quite do it justice, but, but MLK, as he looks at a, a quarter of a million people that marched on Washington, D.C., he shares this dream, but he didn't plan on sharing the dream. Did you know that? He didn't plan. He had this full script, and it was manuscripted. It was well done, well thought through, well articulated. He had a team of people that were involved in the writing, but there was a woman behind him, a good friend of his, his name was, or her name was Mahalia Jackson, Uh, one of the most prominent gospel singers of the time. She's in the back row behind MLK as he's reading his speech, and she starts saying this thing, tell him the dream. Tell him the dream, Martin. Tell him the dream. She'd heard it before. She'd heard him in different places from different podiums, given different speeches. She had heard him articulate this dream that he had for a nation that would come together, a nation that would be unified, a nation that would not be segregated or divided. So she starts saying, she goes, tell him the dream. Tell him the dream. Tell him the dream, Martin. Tell him the dream. And it's at that moment that he goes off script and he says the words that I just read to you. Isn't it true that a great dream can change the world. Isn't that true? A great dream and a dream from God can change the world. Now, are we there? You know, what MLK stood for, what he started, what what he was a part of, are we there? We're not there yet. But my goodness, his dream was inspiring. It, It was moving. It captured the hearts and minds of people for decades and decades to come. What dream has God put on your heart for your life? Let me ask you this. What what do you dream about? As we're in this new year, right? You have that note card. You have it? Have you written anything on it? Are you you one of those challengers like me that goes, I'm not doing this because everybody's doing this? What what are you dreaming about? What are you thinking about? What what are you envisioning for your future? What are you envisioning for the future of, of maybe your family? 
your business, your organization, your team? What are you dreaming about? What captures your heart? What vision do you have of a preferred future that you're working towards and moving towards? Maybe for you, it's buying a house. Maybe it's getting pregnant. Maybe it's a promotion. Maybe it's financial stability. Maybe you want to be engaged. Maybe it's a grandchild. You want to move into retirement. Maybe you want to travel to a place around the world. What is your dream? What is it that's just encaptured? I mean, just it's got you so gripped from the mind, on the heart. You think about it. You dwell about it. You make plans for it. What are you dreaming about? How we are starting this brand new series called Redeem the Dream. I want to tell you this. It's so important. If you walk away with something, walk away with this, okay? And it's this. God has a dream for your life. Do you know God actually has a dream for your life? He's got a dream for you. He's, he's got a heart for you. He's got a love for you. He's orchestrated everything to get you to this moment right now. And he has a dream for you if you would be open to it. If you would follow him. If you would give your life to him. God actually has a dream for you. And it won't just change your life. It'll change the lives of those closest to you. Of your family, of your neighborhood, of your community, of your business, of your classroom, of your team, of your friends. God has a dream for your life. Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what we're going to do for this series is we're going to track through the life of a man named Joseph. It starts when he was 17 years old. It's in the book of Genesis. It's Genesis chapter 37. If you want to open it, if you want to read it with us, please do so, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in the room. We're going to track through the life of Joseph, Joseph over the next six weeks to look at the dream that God has on Joseph's life, but then the turns and the twists and the surprises and the challenges and the moments in Joseph's life where he, his dream seemed impossible because that's something that we also all have in common, isn't it? A dream that you have, an idea of a preferred future, and then something happens that snatches it. Something that happens that removes the possibility, something that happens that wasn't foreseen, something that happens that, that seems like it strips it from ever being able to come to fruition. That is the story of Joseph, and it's why we're gonna read it together for the next six weeks. So let's read this. Here's what it says. It says, Joseph had a dream in Genesis 37, verse five. And when he told it to his brothers, he had 10 of them at the time, by the way, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. Is this a typical 17-year-old boy or what? Play this out. Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. How awesome is that dream? Hey, older brothers, I know there's 10 of you and one of me. I'm the favorite child, but I had this awesome dream that all of you bowed down to me. What do you think? They didn't like it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they, say this word with me, they hated him. They hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. It keeps going on. Then he had another dream. It's like, Joseph, come on, dude. Keep this one yourself. But he told it to his brothers, listen. He said, I had another one. 
You can see like the anticipation, right? Oh, I can't wait to hear your second dream. Here's what he says. This time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. And he said, what is this dream that you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His father rebuked him corrected him, questioned him. Do you really think that's going to happen? I mean, you put yourself in the position of a dad. Is this what you, what you dream about? Is this what's captured your mind? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. What do you think Joseph dreamed about? I mean, he's just a normal 17-year-old kid, right? A couple thousand years ago. Normal 17-year-old kid. I mean, you can imagine him. He's dreaming like, oh, power and wealth and riches and, you know, authority. And, you know, he he was the youngest child at the time, 10 older brothers. I mean, he probably had a chip on his shoulder, probably wanted to right some wrongs that had been done to him in his life. What, What do you think he dreamed about? But then another question we should ask is, what do you think his brothers dreamed about? I bet the more they kept hearing his dreams, their dreams changed a little bit. Don't you think? It's like whatever they dreamed before, all of a sudden the dream becomes, how do we remove Joseph? That's my dream. How do we get rid of him? I'm sick of hearing all of these dreams. Well, let's take a look at what happens here if we fast forward a little bit. Genesis 37, verse 18. They saw him in the distance. Daddy sent him out into the field to check on his brothers. So the brothers see him coming from afar. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. This was more than just sibling rivalry. They were done. They had had it. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. They had dreamed about this. They'd planned it. They'd thought about it. They'd collaborated on it. Let's just kill him. Cover it up. Hide it. Act like it's this giant accident. And then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, one of his brothers, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. You see how how Joseph has a dream. What we'll find out later is the dream actually was from God. Joseph probably misinterpreted the dream and misinterpreted what it meant and misinterpreted the consequences of that dream. He, he, he didn't read that correctly, but his brothers also had a dream and his brothers start taking action on their dream. And in fact, it's like, we just need to put an end to him. We need to stop this. So they throw him in this well. They throw him in the system. They were gonna kill him, but one of the brothers talked him out of it. And then this happens. Verse 27, let's sell them to the Ishmaelites. They, they had seen this group of merchant traders that were coming off in the distance. They were traveling towards Egypt, and one of them spoke up, and he says, I got a better idea. We don't have to kill them. That way we don't have that guilt on us. But what if we just sell them into slavery? We'll stick with the same story. You know, the animal killed them, but we'll sell them. We'll actually make a little bit of money. We'll all walk away. Our dream's good. His dream disappears, but who cares? And so that's actually what happens. So after all, he is our brother. This is what Reuben is saying, or one of the others. Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled him up out of the cistern and they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him 
to Egypt. That was a dream, Joseph. I mean, just put yourself in his shoes for half of a second. Your older brother's there to protect you, right? That's what they should be doing. Your older brothers are your, your family. They're, they're the only family you've ever known. In fact, they were a blended family. There were multiple brothers that came from different wives of their father. But Joseph was the favorite. Favorite son, and at this point, only son of the favorite wife. So there's animosity, there was brokenness, there was disagreement, there was division, there was infighting among this family. And then this happens, right? This moment where everything changes, not just for the life of Joseph, but also for the lives of his brothers and of his family and of their descendants. Everything changes at this moment, at this inflection point, when his brothers say, we're gonna do something about this. We're gonna take our dream for our lives into our own hands. We're gonna sell our brother. And so here's Joseph shackled and bound, sold into slavery on his way to Egypt, where he doesn't even realize this yet. He's 17 years old. He's going to spend the next 13 years in bondage or prison or slavery. What happened to the dream? Can you imagine the question or the prayer life of Joseph as he comes back to his heavenly father and he keeps saying, I thought you gave me this dream. And now I'm stuck I can't control this. I can't do anything. I, I can't run away. I can't hide. I can't provide for myself. There's literally nothing I can do at this point, God. My own family rejected me, turned their back on me, sold me into slavery. You gave me this dream, but like the dream still involved my family, God. Can you relate to having a dream like this, like that you just, you cradled and you loved and you looked forward to and you dreamt about and it's just, man, this preferred vision of my future and then in an instant it gets snatched from you. Can you relate to that? Some of you, it might be a miscarriage. This dream of having a family, this dream of having kids and then all of a sudden in an instant it's just snatched from you. You know what the pit in your stomach feels like. Some of you, it's like you've been in the career, right? You've been going after the job or maybe you started your own business and you're going after it and you're working hard and you're trying hard and then all of a sudden somebody stole something from you or somebody ripped you off or somebody, somebody scammed you and it put you and your family in this position that you actually couldn't recover from. Your dream that you had disappears in an instant. Some of you, maybe it's a diagnosis Right, like you're, you're running after something, you're so excited about something, like here's what we're gonna do, here's what our life's gonna look like, and then you're handed a diagnosis, maybe it's yours, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's one of your kids, you're handed a diagnosis that changes the possibility of your dream ever even coming to fruition, and it happens like that. Maybe it's an arrest, maybe it's an abortion, maybe you got fired, What's your moment? What, what was it for you that your dream, your vision, your idea of, a, of a, a dream of a life, when that got snatched away, what is it for you? You know, Satan's goal is pretty direct and pretty straightforward. The Bible describes him as a lion that prowls around looking only to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. You look at the life of Joseph and, and it's pretty easy to go, okay, Satan one, Joseph zero. 
Because in that moment, his family was stolen from him. The relationship that he had with his family, I mean, it's killed, it's gone, it's done, it's over. His idea for his future, for what he was capable of, for what he, what he had access to, even for the relationships that he had with his family, like his dad, destroyed in a heartbeat. Do you have a moment like that in your life? I know I do. We tend to think that the death of our dream is often the end of our story, especially in the moment. We, we often think that this dream that we've given ourselves to, the dream that we've invested in, the dream that we, that we thought God gave us for our lives, we often think that when challenges come or surprises hit or, or catastrophes strike, we often think that when the dream is done, our story's over. Like you may as well just quit because it's not going in the direction that we thought or hoped or desired. And so if it's not going in that direction, just give up. I don't know what you do in those moments. I get angry or I shut down or, or I start blaming. I mean, I, I was trying to think like just let, let's humanize this just for a second, right? Most of us haven't been sold into slavery like Joseph was. But all of us have had challenges or surprises or, or changes that took place that actually changed the course of our lives forever. I thought of a couple in my life that I wasn't stoked about. One, I got fired from my first ministry job. That was exciting. I was like, this thing's over before it ever started. Bet you didn't know that. Some of you that are here, you're like, wow, how did he get this job? <laughs> didn't come up, I guess. I remember when I was in, uh, in college, I had just uh, started seminary, you know, which is graduate school for pastors. I just started. I was broke as can be. And uh, I totaled my car uh, driving underwater. That's a long story, too. So I'm driving this new car, nice new car, fancy, having fun with it, right? And I fancy, right, for, for a seminary student. It was awesome. It had four wheels and leather seats. And I was, I was like, I made it. And uh, I remember driving and I crested the hill. I was actually on 196 and all of a sudden my engine made this noise that I'd never heard before and my gas pedal went to the floor, but my car didn't speed up. And I went, what just happened? I blew up my engine. No money, zero money on the side of the road going, okay, God, just got fired from that job. So I'm jobless, no, I'm carless. I had a girlfriend at the time who showed up and sat next to me. Her name is Shannon. You know that story worked out well. I ended up marrying her, but at one point it crossed my mind, like, are you next? One, two. Man, I remember what it feels like to just be, it's like no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, this vision that you feel like God called you to, it's like strike one, strike two, strike three, and you keep taking hits and blows, and you start wondering, like, God, are you playing defense, or does the enemy just get to play offense? Like the, the death of my dream here is happening over and over and over and over. Whatever dream or preferred vision for my life that I had, it kept eroding out from underneath me for things I had no control of. And here's, here's what I'd say. It wasn't just that stage. I've had similar experiences in every single stage of life. 
Every single one of them where it's like you, you think you're headed this direction and then something happens and it looks like it's impossible. And then you go, okay, Lord, I'm coming back. I'm here. I'm, I'm back, right? I, I left for a while, but now I'm back. What do you have for me, God? And you do the work. You do the discerning. You sit there and you go, okay, God wants me to do this. And so you step in and the first thing starts going well and then you get a little bit farther down the road and something else happens and it feels like the bottom falls out. For me, in my life, this has happened over and over and over. I thought you gave me a vision for this, but now it seems like it can't happen. Okay, I thought you gave me a vision for this, but now, I, again, it seems like it can't happen. I get angry. I get frustrated. I, I get blamey. I, I get insecure. I start finding my identity or finding my security, my significance and stuff that is a very short, dead-end road. Here's what I've learned, and I just wanted to share this today. I've learned that my dreams tend to be all about David. They actually tend to revolve all around me. But when I actually come back to my heavenly father, when I actually open up scripture, when I start reading the Bible for what it says, when I start discerning my life through the lens that God actually has for my life, here's what I learned, that the dream that God has for my life isn't for David. It's actually for him. The dreams for David's life revolve all around David. The dreams that God has for David's life actually revolve all around Jesus. Why is that important? Because God is the great dream redeemer. God is the great dream redeemer. I can tell you story after story after story where my dream died, but God's dream came back alive. And my dream actually became the dream that he had for me. You know, as we read this story, and we're going to unpack it for the next six weeks, but as we read this story, it, what's really easy for all of us to do is to actually identify with the person of Joseph in this story. To say, man, I, here I was, I had a dream, I had a vision, I had a desire for my life, and then something happened and it took that away. And, and we can identify with Joseph as the victim of the story, as the victim of someone who took our dream. But what's actually true about this whole narrative that you're going to find is, is Joseph, the character that Joseph plays in this story is actually meant to be relatable to Jesus. It's actually meant to point us to Jesus. That if you're looking for a role, if you're like, well, what's my role then? How, how do I fit into this story? The role that we actually fit and play into this story is actually through the eyes of the brothers. We are the ones that have a vision for our lives. We take matters into our own hands. We force our way, or we, we think chasing our dream or our preferred vision for our future, we think that when we can take control of it and force our way and impose our will, whether it's on other people, whether it's on God, whether it's on our circumstances, we often act and function, and when we push it and force it, our dream becomes our nightmare. That's exactly what happened for Joseph's brothers. They, they took this temporary avenue of like, nice, we're winning, and then they lost for the next 13 years. They watched their, their father just decline in health, mentally, relationally, physically. They just watched how, how this lie that they now had to maintain, this lie that they had to cover up, this guilt that they carried, the shame that they carried. We see, and we'll see it over the next six weeks, the brothers, as they carry their dream for their life, how much it weighed them down, how much it almost destroyed them, we see how God actually redeems the entire story, and it's through the person of Joseph. 
So why is that significant to us? Because God does the exact same thing through the person of Jesus. He does the exact same thing. Jesus is the great dream redeemer. As we look at Joseph, and as you look at Joseph over the next six weeks, I want you to look at him through the lens of Jesus. Here's Joseph, right? He goes off and he's bound against his will. He spends 13 years in in slavery and in bondage. You know, it's interesting even about this story, Joseph says almost nothing that is recorded. Just like Jesus said nothing that's recorded when he was handed over to be crucified and goes to the cross. If we fast forward all the way, right, to the end of the series, the end of the story, Joseph actually is in a position of power and authority, and he has the ability to destroy those closest to him, his brothers. His brothers eventually come back. There's a meeting and a reunification, and it is a story worth reading. And Joseph actually gets there, and, and the ultimate decision Joseph makes is, I'm going to treat you like brothers, not as enemies. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. This whole series isn't about how do we give you permission to dream the dream that you have for your life and God just falls in line and it's great and awesome and self-helpy. That is not the purpose of this series at all, nor is it the purpose of this sermon. The whole purpose of this is to say, what dream do you have for your life that you can lay down at the foot of the cross and say, okay, God, what is your dream for my life? Because what's demonstrated through the life of Joseph is even through the most broken, dire, painful, horrible, impossible circumstances, God moves. God works. God saves. And God redeems. What's broken in your life right now? What's not good? What are you coming into 2023 caring that you're looking forward to get away from? You know, as we have that note card, right? Pull out that note card, wherever you have it right now, whether it's in person or watching online. Who does your dream revolve around? As you look at it, who, who does your dream focus on? Who does it benefit? Who does it revolve around? When I actually did this exercise, I knew we were doing it uh, earlier this week, but, but I'd already sat down and, and kind of come up with, okay, what's the dream that I have for 2023? What do I want? I tell you what, I checked every single personal box. It was all about me. Everything I wrote down, everything I... I I elaborated on it. I wrote down physical stuff for me, spiritual stuff for me, professional stuff for me, family stuff for me. Every dream, everything I articulated revolved around the person of David. Every last one of them. You know what I did last night? Uh, I just carved out some time for prayer. I was actually at home this time. Usually I'm here at church, but I was at home last night, went down into my basement sat in a chair, turned off the lights, listened to worship music, and I just got down and I said, okay, Lord, what is the dream that you have for me in 2023? And it looked way different than I would have thought. And honestly, like if I'm being super straight with you, uh, it looked way different than I would have hoped. One of the biggest things God brought 
to my attention uh, was pretty deep family brokenness. Anybody relate to that? After Thanksgiving, after Christmas, right, oftentimes tensions come up and relationships that are broken or severed or not functioning right, like those, those seem to bubble up. And here, here's David's super easy way of handling stuff like that. This doesn't fit into my dream for my life. I'm moving on. I'm content with it being broken. I'm content with it being dead. I'm content with it not going anywhere or doing anything. And here's what I found last night is God looping back and saying, you might be okay with that, but I'm not. Because he's the great dream redeemer. God has a dream for your life. And God's dream for your life is to redeem your life. So as you sit, you know, we're going to go into this next song. It's, just, it's a super powerful song. I just love it. It's called Waymaker. God has a way of making dreams that seem impossible happen. He has a way of, of making dead things come back to life. He has a way of bringing restoration to places of deepest division and brokenness. God has a way of bringing dreams in the midst of other people's nightmares. God has a dream for your life. It's not to hurt you, crush you, shame you, guilt you into doing something. And the person of Joseph, as we'll read for the rest of this series, is embodied by the person of Jesus who took on your shame, who took on your guilt, who took on your pain, who took on the impossibility of redeeming your own life. He took it on himself. He went to the cross. He said, you are so worth everything to me. space, you sit by yourself, you put on some worship music, and you go, okay, God, I'm open to your dream. Because God's desire is to redeem. He wants to redeem you. He wants to redeem your life. He wants to redeem the brokenness. He wants to redeem the pain and the shame where the enemy is currently winning. God wants to come in and say, I, I can redeem that dream. I can point myself into this. And when Jesus enters the equation, nothing will be the same forever. Take your note sit with it. Here's the first question. What part of your story needs to be redeemed? You may not even want it to be redeemed. You might be aware it's broken. You might be aware of the diagnosis that is at play. You might be aware of the cancer or what the doctor said. You might be aware of what your counselor told you to do. You might be aware of what your spouse said and the line that they drew. You might be aware that the kids are no longer interested in conversations. But what part of your story actually needs to be redeemed? Sit with that. When you sit with the Holy Spirit, here's the second one. 
How can you put your dream back in God's hands? The purpose of question one is to identify what needs to be redeemed, but it's not your job to redeem it. That's a message by itself. When you identify what's broken, how do you just give that back to him? How do you surrender that? How do you just say, God, I, I have no resolution here. I can almost picture him smiling like a good father. He kneels down with his little child. This is perfect. You don't need a solution. I'm the solution. How can you invite him into that part of your story to redeem it? Father, we just come before you. So many of us just with really broken lives, broken hearts, broken dreams. God, sometimes all we want to do, especially when a new year rolls around, is we, is we want to run as far and as fast from the things that just, the things that are, well, in our minds, not redeemable. We want to get away from them or we want to dismiss them or we want to do nothing with them or we, or we just want to get as far away from them as possible. And so what we ask right now, God, is that you would just come into this space that whatever vision we have for 2023, for our lives, I pray that we would lay that down at your feet, God. That we would actually allow our hearts to have the dreams that you have for our lives take root. I pray that this doesn't lead us to a place of fear or anger or resentment or pride or selfishness, but, but to a place of humility where we recognize that we need you. To a place of sensitivity where we feel what you feel. I pray it leads us to openness, God might make our plans, but that you will actually dictate our steps. I pray that we follow you. I pray that we honor you. And I pray that you lead us and meet us. And we pray this in Jesus' precious and powerful and holy name. And everybody said together. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in Him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.